0: Let's go. FG Live. LeBron, Brzezinski, Frazier, Kratz is still just running. Wait, are you in Cincinnati or you're in their spring training camp?
1: I'm in the Olympic-sized pool that's in Todd's head right now. Because he doesn't know where I am.
2: Yeah, I, I know where you are. You're in probably Goodyear, Arizona. It's, nice <laughs> here. It's, it's actually colder in Goodyear right now than it is in
1: Telford, Pennsylvania. So there's that.
3: That's you have to take the bus no to your way. meetings. Do what? You have to take the bus to your meetings because, like, in the, if you're <laughs> their clubhouses, you have to take the bus to the stadium and back and forth. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why? Because it's big? Because the Indians, no, it's Guardians, in the Guardians, and the Reds share a complex. Right. But their clubhouses aren't in the stadium. So the teams, when you play against nope. them and you're like the road team, they come in on buses from their clubhouse and mm-hmm. drop them off
0: and they walk in. Like what if you day. want to go back and forth or you left something at the clubhouse? You better, you
2: better you don't. get a scooter. Yeah, you, don't. <laughs> you better call the guy up. That's, you know, did you leave yet? Hold on, man.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, well, well, we'll work on that. We'll fix that. In the meantime, you'll see a lot of arbitrary numbers being thrown out on your social media feeds today because it's an arbitration deadline where um, you have to exchange numbers if there's no agreement. So they had the deadline to... Uh, Does anyone even care about this? Should I even go over the semantics? You know what I want to go over, actually, on this topic? So every year, there'll be like a headline on a TV network or a website that doesn't really cover baseball. And it'll say like, Shohei Otani signs one year, $30 million contract, and fans (laughs) will be like, what the? fuck that's a ripoff he deserves more than that and it's like yo you don't know how the arbitration system works or it'll be for like a first-year arb player who's really good but he's getting like five million dollars and they'll be like what why would he accept that why would he take a one-year deal like i think even uh josh donaldson when he was at the end of his arb because also he was like pretty deep into his 30s already because he started kind of late and people are like this makes no sense
3: yeah yeah arbitration's crazy and if you don't go through it as a player, people that are luck, fortunate enough to sign like long term deals, they don't have to go through it. But going through it is something special. And, uh, you know, teams, a lot of teams are trial. Like, What do they say? Trial and uh, file. File and, file trial. and trial. So yeah. if you file yeah. a number and that you don't agree before, it's auto go to trial. And uh, the trial we've talked about on here before is not is an interesting process. Uh, and but, yeah, the file and trial is crazy because a lot of teams now do that. Meaning, if you get past this date today and you don't agree, because what happens is one team will give a number like two million, the player will give a number and say three million, and the team will they'll, they'll your agent and the team will go back and forth, and a lot of times you'll hit in the middle at two point five. Team might try to go two four, and you might want two six, and eventually you end at two five. But if you get to that point and you don't agree to a number, guess what? You're going to the trial, and then that's where all the feelings get hurt. So it's it's an interesting time. <laughs>
2: And I, I, I want to bring an example of myself because it was with the White Sox, and they actually they brought in like this super guy I forget his name like just to have a trial with me by myself. The guy didn't worry about any other player, so they started low at like six million. We started eighteen. We actually met in the middle at twelve, which is like I my told my agent I said why don't we just meet in the middle like why don't we figure it out? And it took two things. It took my agent called me goes you got five minutes left. Yes or no? I'm like, oh my god! And I'm looking at my wife. My actually, my mom and dad were at the house. I'm like, what do I do? Do I take a chance? Because I like gambling, but at the same time, <laughs> I didn't take the chance. And then, and the funny, the uh, the tough part about it, what people don't understand, you know, we might we started at 18, they started at six. When you go file and trial, all of a sudden, when you go to that trial, they can go at like three if they wanted to, and we can go a little too high. So you got to figure out the right amount you think that's fair for the, you know, for the trial members to figure out like if you go too high you might be screwing yourself if you go too low you still might be screwing yourself so it's like that's where the agent player thing goes so i think people need to understand that doesn't matter what numbers you talk about they can do a totally different number at the trial
1: that's crazy see i never knew that they were that far apart but the big day for what i would consider the majority of guys is the non-tender deadline. Because if you get non-tendered, especially like for me as like a backup catcher, you get non-tendered, then you're, you're a free agent. But if you get tendered a contract, just meaning you make it past that date, you don't necessarily have a contract, but you make it past that date, you're like, okay, we'll agree on something because I'm not going to trial. There ain't no reason, you know, I can annihilate myself. I don't need the team to annihilate me in a arbitration <laughs> hearing. True. But that's what a lot of guys go through. They get they get these like you talk about 5 minutes Todd. It's like hey, we're going to offer you this and if you don't accept it, you know, the non-tender deadline's coming up. So there's a chance and they kind of they kind of strong arm guys like hey, you should get 1.1 million, but we're going to give you 950. Like sign it now or we might non-tender you. And that sounds, you know, it sounds minuscule compared to 12 million dollars. But for the person that's in it,
2: it's yeah. a lot of
1: cash.
0: No I'm doubt. sorry, just to clarify, you filed at 18 and they filed at six? Or that's what you guys were talking about? That's the biggest description no, they, I've they, ever they, heard. They
2: said, they said, listen, we'll give you six million, uh, you know, sign for six. And my agent's like, all right, we'll go 18. Like, I know I wasn't going to get 18, but they went so low. And I'm like, screw it, let's go so high. And then that's, we kind of met in the middle of 12. And 12 was a good price. I forget what, that was my third year arbitration. So not actually I filed. That.
1: that was just your
2: that was just your offer. Not actually offer. Filed. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if you didn't understand. Sorry. That was yeah. the offer. I apologize. Yeah.
0: yeah, but just to clarify too, because this is big, the way arbitration yeah. works is there is no middle ground. No. So if you go to ARB and it's okay, six exactly. or it's eighteen for Todd Father. And even if 18 is a reach, but they feel like six is such a low blow, he might get the 18. So that, I guess, could go into the strategy there. we have never is, seen yeah. that.
3: It's usually a million or two dollars off. It's usually not a $12 million difference, though. No, That's right? Awesome. Like, I understand what Todd was doing. He was smart. Yeah. Him and his agent were smart by doing that. And then they met at a good number, right? But usually when you go, like, a guy might file at 20 and the team might file at, like, 15. That's, like, a large gap. Yes. But yeah. all the arbitrators have to do, they don't have to think you're worth 20. They just think you have to work with the middle would be like 17.5. All they have to do is think you're worth 17.5 and one dollar and you get yep. the 20.
2: Right.
1: Yep.
3: That's all yep. they have to think. They don't it, there's no they can't come back and be like, all right, 20, 15, we're giving you 16.75. Nope. You either get 20 or you get 15.
2: <laughs> I love isn't that. that. Isn't I love it's that. just it's crazy? And you see, last thing I'll say, you'll see some that are like, all right, eight point seven versus eight point two. You're like, come on, man, you couldn't figure out a god darn middle lane there you had to you had to tussle that much organizations man it's just it's so stupid sometimes
0: oh i've seen some fights with stars over like a 100 grand or something and i'm like yo yeah. team chill billionaire well, was like, chill. okay
3: the year before arbitration used to be huge um i'm sure todd did this too but instead of signing my contract they renewed me the twins renewed me it's oh, called yeah. and then they docked me money because i and they were like we're going to give you a twenty thousand dollar raise the minimum was like 200. So like, we're going to give you 220. And I'm like, well, I made the all-star team and all this stuff. And they're like, and I'm like, no, I'm not signing it. I, sh- I deserve more. And they're like, okay, well, then we're just going to give you flat 200. Yeah. So then when you go to arbitration, though, you show that we already started fighting last year. Yes. And so it helps kind of – supposed to help your case <clears throat> in the future. That's a good point, so, yeah.
0: Um, we do have a, a trade, actually, that broke while we were talking to Jack Zawinski, So we'll cover that, and that will spill into our – Further details that we learned over the past 24 hours about Mr. Imanaga heading over to the Chicago Cubs. But the Cubs made a trade. They're picking up third baseman Michael Bush and reliever Yancey Almonte from the Dodgers in exchange for some younger high upside prospects. Left-handed starter Jackson Ferris, and good luck to me trying to pronounce this name, outfielder <laughs> Z-Y-H-I-R, hope. I've seen it before. Jackson Ferris is the heard kid his that name was at there.
3: IMG, wasn't he? Like last year draft pick? Recent, oh. recent pick.
1: I, I saw that dude pitch year. in high
3: school. He was filth.
1: I like that Yancey. I like Yancey Alante. I think I, I liked him when he was with the Dodgers.
0: Here it is from Kenny Ballgame, too. Slider, Spin slider, slider. slider. Thing. Or here's part of it, at least, there from Kenny Ballgame that you're looking at right now. But yeah, J- Jackson Ferris. I mean, he's Slasher's first year in the pro, uh, 2022. Second round, mm-hmm. 47th at overall. IMG. Michael Bush is a big prospect for the Dodgers, so. Was. Number two,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know, I guess. Maybe he can make it for Cubby Fest tomorrow. (laughs) That's true. I guess for the Cubs, you get somebody kind of quicker that can contribute in the outfield. And like Kratz said, you like Almonte. And then for them, the Cubs, they do have quite a few of these kind of younger, high upside prospects. Obviously, like you mentioned, Ferris just got drafted, but. The Dodgers are able to just stock up on guys that they don't need for the next few years that can develop. Is is Michael Bush the Cody Bellinger insurance?
1: No, no. Bush is that an insurance. That's, that's Armstrong. That's Armstrong Crow. Yeah. Crow Armstrong. Yeah. PCA. PCA.
0: And he's twenty six years old. Bush. Yeah, yeah older than I thought.
3: Well, the Dodgers need a forty man room, so they they're clearing they're clearing spots. Because they have forty all stars, so they're like Michael Bush, or twenty six. You haven't made three all star teams yet. Not top <clears> three <throat> in the MVP voting. We should be off. <laughs> He's home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think well, the bigger well, news well, is well, Dylan, Dylan Cease. That's not news.
0: Dylan Cease for eight million dollars. That's not news. That's just these are the pay scales for arbitration. We know, Dude, we've but you can already.
3: get okay. You can get Dylan Cease this year for eight million plus next year. His yeah. number's so low this year that puts him. I mean, even, even if he wins as Cy Young next year, max fifteen. You can get two years twenty. It'll be a little
0: more than that if he wins a side. Okay,
3: okay. we'll say two years twenty-five. That's exactly.
0: That's the number that I've been saying. It's okay. Of Dylan
3: C's. Correct. Mm. Someone's got to make that trade. Like that you, I, I you think. gotta go to arbitration,
2: news. bro. He should have went to arbitration. Yeah, for be. real. I,
1: I don't guess. know what the numbers were. His numbers, his numbers in his platform year this past year weren't awesome. But I think that's I think it's big news because it puts a number to what fans have just seen. I just talked to Frankie Montas in here at, at Reds camp, like that dude signed for 15 million and you could get Dylan cease for eight. Like this should show fans like, Holy cow. Like they're asking for two high end prospects. Let's do this Orioles. See you later. Westberg.
0: Well, that's why that's been the point I'm making where there's a lot of people out there like, Oh, the white sox They're asking for too much. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not asking for too much. Two high-end prospects and 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 two more mid-range to lower tier or longer-term prospects, right? Two guys that are like double AA, A, triple A, ready to go, like a Jordan Westberg type, right? With Baltimore, Colton Cowser type with Baltimore, Justin, probably
1: what Herstead. Herstead, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, on Baltimore, you can name five or six of those on that higher end alone. That's why everyone's they like they can do this
3: duplicate position.
0: Correct. They have like four
3: shortstops. And, and they're, they're all better than life. the White Sox have. I mean to the what? And they're all better than what the White Sox have currently. No, you I, can, I take Chris Getz takes that personal.
0: And
1: you can Olsen let them, Montgomery you is can let Montgomery Montgomery's gonna be good. He's
0: gonna be one of the better. Oh, no, players. no, no, no. I
1: mean I mean guys that are that you could plug into the big leagues. Westburg's got big league time. You can plug him yeah. right into your big league team and not need to spend any more money, which is music to Jerry's ears.
2: Yeah, but Why, hey, why'd you costs, say, why'd you say West uh, gets takes that personal? <laughs>
1: <laughs> because he, he's making
3: all these moves to get organization depth, and then Kratz is shitting on him. Uh, I am yeah, the Chris oh, gets defender.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: you know what costs less than eight million dollars, Todd Father, 700 grand. And that's what how much every Orioles player costs that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. still money, money, still money, money coming out of the owner's pocket. Just saying, all right. On the money topic, though, I do want to get to this as well because this is kind of the last layer of the Shota Imanaga sweepstakes, and it is official. He is a member of the Chicago Cubs. Look at this fanciness. Four years, $53 million. Yes, Kratz, you nailed it. After I said two 52. years, hold on, let me give the money, and then you can you can Close. dunk. After two years, the team has the option to extend the contract to five years, $80 million. They can also do that after year three, but each of those years, right? If they don't extend the contract to five years, 80 total, Imanaga can say, screw you, I'm a free agent. That's how I look at it in my head. Obviously the reporters say it a little more maturely. Um, (laughs) And there's Jesse adding on, obviously if both sides decline their options in the deal, his four-year contract remains in play. Okay, Kratz, you can brag for a sec.
1: No, I just am bragging because I had 52 million that he was gonna get. I thought the hundred million was too much. This is great. To me, this is a great structure for both sides. If he feels like he like 80 million for a guy of his caliber, I think is a lot of money. But for the Cubs, you're making him earn that 80 million. So to me, I'm I'm great with this. What does that make the posting fee though? I never saw what the posting fee was cause I couldn't figure out it's below. 10. It's just 10, even though it it's went like 9.8
0: something, something. Yeah. It's $10 million.
1: Okay. Okay. So the posting fee, you got a number four, number five starter for $63 million, 60, $62 million for four years, essentially for, that seems like a great price.
3: First of all, did you sit down and go through every free agent and take a guess on how much he they
2: does. were going to sign? He does. That's what I want to know. The
1: list. I'll show you the list. It's probably I like. Think
2: for most of them, too. Nerd, like alert. The no, nerd sure. alert. nerd
1: alert. Nerd <laughs> alert. <laughs> I mean,
3: holy cow.
2: Dude, if I would have had to <laughs> do that, the, I would have rather. The guy's got, got eight kids, anymore. and he's still doing it. there's
1: no chance. How do you have time I, for that? I was just, uh, you read the articles. I was reading the articles and I'm like, okay, I got to put that. Like I started with, I started with Shohei and Shohei, like it was probably, I, I wrote like this much with Shohei. And then I'm like, wait a minute, why don't I just make like a chart? So I just like went through who's available. And I'm like, ah, oh, I think he should get this much. So I was way, I was way, I'll, I'll explain some of the ones at the end of the off season that I was way off on Shohei Shohei's is the one I wrote down. He, he's worth 70 million. And I wrote on there, no chance he gets 70 million a year. Well, way off. But it's fun. I like it. I enjoy seeing how right I am.
0: Well, crap. You should have explained. Or how wrong you I'm are. I'm a
1: simple man.
0: I live in uh, <laughs> rural Pennsylvania. My kids are not, you know, toddlers, so I don't need to watch their every step. It's not baseball season for coaching right now. I know up it's freaking early.
1: Yeah, I don't have a hobby. I, I I don't golf because nobody invites me to go golfing. So, I enjoy it.
0: I rip weights and I put numbers down next to free agents.
1: I What's wrong with that?
0: Seriously, there's got to be some better to
3: do with your time.
0: I I did it too. Well,
1: yeah, I expect you to do it though. <laughs> I'm Kratsy, a nerd. Friends, I'm a nerd. I like
3: you it. know what? Hey, Kratzy, So he's talking about being friends. I just got to – I had to put a new lock on my door because. But now I can control it by my phone so I can lock Scott out or in. And it's a combo, and I will not give him the combination.
1: Please so lock he's... him in one day.
3: Oh, my gosh. Just The problem
0: him in. is, if he gets a little too cute with this, I will show my superhuman strength and rip the lock out of the door. That's fine. Oh. you buying a new door. I will rip the whole door out. <laughs> I'll be walking down the street in Orlando with a door in my freaking arms, and I'll just bring it to my apartment and say, Problem solved. That just happened. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Um, I like that. Anyway, well, Top Father, you weren't on with us yesterday. And I know none of us have seen uh, a ton of Shota Minaga. And obviously, I don't think any of this group seen him in person unless you're at one of those WBC games or you spent some time in Japan in the past year. But I've never seen, I don't want to say never, but I've seen a lot of differing opinions. And we, t- we covered this the last couple of days in terms of what he can be. And I'm intrigued. I mean, there's some people who are like, this is a steal. This guy has upside of a two or a three. If that's true, and you're getting him for 50 to $80 million on the free agent market at 30 years old, that is an absolute steal. There are other teams, like there was a tweet from Alex Pavlovich who covers the Giants for NBC and does a good job. And I can find the exacts, but he basically said like, well, let me just find it. It'll take me eight seconds to find
2: it. He Let's, said, just, hope, let's just
1: hope he's not- Kay Gawa. And, and I brought that up to, I think, Ina Yes. and like Kagawa for people who don't remember, you have to be a Yankees fan to remember he pitched his entire, you know, I want to say, I didn't look it up. I want to say he probably had like a 17 to $20 million contract, but he pitched most of it in triple a in Scranton. He was a guy that pitched, he had sunglasses on in like his first start in the big leagues left-handed pitcher right left-handed now left that yeah he's left yeah he has blue glove like it was it was it was one of those things and you, you hope he's not that but at 50 million they've given some they've given some prospects in the minor leagues 35 million 40 million that haven't haven't panned out so eh, that's the new going rate What's the guy, what was the guy for the Red Sox, the Cuban
3: guy, Castillo?
0: Oh, Rusne Castillo just was the richest AAA player of all time. Oh my gosh, they couldn't bring him up. That's a complicated case. But here, I'll give you, I found it, Todd. So he said, so Alex Pavlich said yesterday, I've seen a lot of confusion about Giants and Imanaga. They were never a front runner here. People just went wild with rumors. They viewed him as more of a back-end starter and prefer other guys that they still plan to add. To the rotation, you like what you're looking at too, by the way, on the screen in the WBC with that heater. I
1: do, I do like that change up. Missed, miss location. We're cherry picking. <laughs> we're we're That's cherry picking, hit. but to me, like he's gonna have to learn to. And I read, and I read some. Was it was it Eno that said it, or was it uh oh, the guy we had on that does all the stuff for the Cubs? He does a lot of analytical stuff. He Lance
0: Brodzaski,
1: yes. Yes, Lance was talking about how possibly they see some upside in the ability to. This was before the Cubs signed him, so he wasn't being a homer. They have they see the possibility of him being able to, the way his the shape of his curveball slash slider sweeper thing, being able to manipulate that, and they pointed to his athleticism with a strong lower base. Talking about how they can improve his breaking stuff, and if he can do that, that plays off of that. Super straight heater that has late life in the zone. Here's my thing: as a lefty,
3: I'm facing a guy that doesn't have a very good breaking ball. Give me a right. bat,
1: that. oh, because God. if he's just
3: going to throw me high fastballs, I can figure that out. Yep. <clears throat> right. If he doesn't have anything, one, of you, he better hammer me in. But if he doesn't, if he's just away from the videos. I mean, obviously, I haven't watched as much as Kratz, and I haven't made you know as many predictions, <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, if I'm just facing a lefty and I'm a left-hand hitter and he doesn't have a breaking ball, then I'm not, I'm I'm diving all out on that plate.
2: I'll you eventually figure forward. out how to hit a heater.
3: Yep. I mean, you know, but his, his every fastball I saw was a four-seamer. Yep. So there's nothing coming in on me. It's it's dive yank for me. It'd be Todd Frazier from the left side. Dive Yank. Hey.
2: Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I, I love lefties. I love facing lefties. I, I, I like what I saw there. You know, we, we did have mixed reviews. Some guy said he's the next thing since sliced bread. Somebody said four or five starter. But, I, I mean, let's give him the benefit of the doubt, I think. Let's see what he does once he gets over here. You need to develop that off speed, especially as a lefty. And if you're not hitting 95-plus consistently, that ball's going to be getting hit. Because it did look pretty straight. But I'm not going to make my prediction or anything right now or conclusion he he's a lefty, and when he faces other lefties, I'm sure he's gonna. Once he has his control, he's gonna be pretty good. So we will. It's a wait and see for me.
1: And you get and you get the whole, you know, separation. How much like a guy like Todd is going to, to me, would feast off of what I see from Shota, because mm. that fastball it's, you couldn't throw a fastball fast enough for Todd. He's gonna be out in front of a fastball. So then, sure. okay, how do you how do you throw that changeup? you know for for me his change up i know some people are saying splitter but analytically the thing i read it didn't say it didn't say it was a splitter is how much depth can he get from that if he's not spinning anything because todd's going to see that spin out of a lefty's hand and be like nope i don't need to swing at that nope you know he's on the fastball how much depth can you get for him to be able to chase it because a lot of these japanese guys come over and even like a tanaka Tanaka could throw 97 to 98. He never did. He just, you know, he manipulated his spin. And I'm not saying he is Tanaka. I'm saying how does he assimilate himself to the big league hitter who can, can time up a bullet? Like AJ said, he can time. I'm going to figure out how to do it. I'll stand 10 feet in front of the iron mic machine or the hack attack and be able to get on top of a pitch eventually.
0: I know the first thing they're going to do with him, and yeah, they might work on refining like their slider inconsistency there too because sometimes it looks good and sometimes it doesn't. But I know the first two things they're going to tell him. Number one, <laughs> give me your high-speed fastball every time. Screw yeah. that 90. Give me that 94 I saw on the WBC. We do something here called five and dive or even four and dive. <laughs> hey, let me Yes. And I will say, and speaking of, of Lance Brozowski, he had a really good – um, photo that, well, it was part of a video and people took screenshots that showed where his fastballs were in the zone in the WBC and they were everywhere, right? And then they're like that four-speed or four-seam with, with carry heater in MLB right now and it's still the trend. We go up here mostly with that. Yep. So that's the first two things I think you'll get from the Cubs, right, Kratz?
1: 100%. And, and the Cubs are really good at that stuff. They have, they've, they've been they've been on the forefront of all that analytical data. They just don't get as much credit as like the Rays and stuff because they haven't produced the pitching necessarily, but they have their own pitching lab down here in Arizona and they they'll, they'll be on top of it. They they're not going to they're not going to squander him, let's put it that way. Whether his stuff, you know, plays in the big leagues, that's really going to be how much he can compete
0: do you know the other team that Jesse Rogers listed that had legit interest in him? We didn't get any other details of the Red Sox anything else. <laughs> well, the Red Sox, crats, I'll stop you there. The Red Sox are interested in everyone. They're in on everyone. Okay. That's just automatically part of every um, press release. But besides them, Pittsburgh pirates. And Imanaga. That's what Jesse said. They had some interest, but he chose Chicago and he's been living in Chicago since Christmas.
3: Okay. Here's the question for you. How much? <laughs> I mean, the pirates. <laughs> really, the pirates. It's like saying the A's were in on them.
0: I think a new trend. You
3: know, I mean, I hope. The, I wish. Listen, I hope this is true. And I, you know what, I wish. I wish that like there was a way, and it'll never happen in a billion years. I wish there was a way that we could, after a guy signed,
0: mm-hmm.
3: if you had actual formal formal offers on the table, like the formal offers came out, and then you could be like, because the Red Sox are like, oh, we made an offer. Yeah, it might have been for to Shohei for 10 years, 10 million. Well, hey, I want to hear tried, it, guys. I right? want to hear it. I want to hear the actual I want to hear
2: it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear them all.
3: Like what did the Pirates go to with? Okay, here's 2 years
1: 20.
2: Did they even offer him anything? That's
1: what I'm saying. Like I want to know. Why can't we, we know? Why can't we know? Why why is that? Why is it such a I got one one year in the minor leagues. I got a minor league offer. I think my my second lowest offer for a contract in the minor leagues was like $7,500 a month. I got an offer as a minor league free agent from a team for $2,900 a month, and they thought I was actually going to take it. Like it was what, a legit. What,
2: what, what team? <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Oh. <laughs> Cincinnati. <laughs> it was back in 2009. And like I think. For they your just-
2: Louisville bats.
1: Yeah, so you could no. They were they were going to send me to Double A and no big league camp invite. I was like, holy cow, the Reds. Oh that guy suck.
3: <laughs> You're going to go to the <laughs>
1: Newga, the Choo ch- 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 But no, like, why can't we? Why can't we talk about it? Why can't? Why can't? Uh, when Hater comes on after he signs his contract, why can't he be like, brother? Can you believe what the Phillies offered me? And then. The Giants offered me this, and I took the Phillies contract because the Giants offered me $20 million less. Like, why can't we talk about that? Is there something – like, do agents frown upon that? I think Major League Baseball frowns upon
2: that. Why? No, I think, I think the reason they don't say it, because what happens in the future, you know, they, they become a free agent again, or like, oh, I burned that bridge about five years ago when I blew them up, you know? Uh,
1: no, I, I hear it. So that's what I mean. Do you think it's from the agent? Because some of these guys are yes. becoming free agents yeah. again.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. It's from the agent,
1: and that to me, then that would give that would give the next guy because a lot of free agency is and, and extensions help the next guy. If AJ signs a team friendly extension, then when Eric Kratz, who's much much younger than AJ Przinsky, comes along, and I get lowballed because AJ didn't take you know the most money, but if AJ takes you know the best deal he can and waits for free agency. That elevates that elevates the money, but if we're always as players super quiet about this, and I've never been through the situation, so I don't know. But if we're always super quiet about it, this could elevate. Like, hey, you know what? Cody Bellinger get gets offered twenty five million a year from from somebody, turns it down because he gets twenty seven from someone else. Reese Hoskins is like, oh, well, I can compare my. I know it's not a good comp. No, it's not a good comp because here's the, the problem with that player.
3: collusion. Because what happens, because I had it happen where teams, three or four teams call you and they offer you one year $10 Yeah, the exact same offer. So that's why they don't want those numbers out there because they're afraid of collusion. So
1: they try to keep those numbers quiet. But I'm saying as players, I'm not talking about teams. Teams love the fact that the Red Sox are loving the fact that, oh yeah, we were in on Shohei. We were in on, okay, let's ask Shohei when he comes on here. Show, hey, how much did the Blue Jays actually offer you? And if he's like, yeah, they offered me $690 million, to me, that shows the team, the fans of the Blue Jays, hey, you know what? We were in on them. Like back in the day, Josh Hamilton, the Philly fans wanted Josh Hamilton so bad when the Angels signed him. And to me, I'd like to know how much they offered him. How much did the Phillies offer him? Good. It was a good decision um, what by they- the Phillies. No, no doubt. Matt Ryan Madsen. I know what he got offered by the Phillies and his agent was like, ah, you know, we're shopping somewhere else. And the Phillies took it off the table. Mad, Mad dog had to, had to go and sign a one year deal with the Reds. And he had to recoup his career because he ended up getting hurt that year. But like, to me, why can't we as players, as players, not discuss this? Do the giants put an offer out there for Shohei and like, Hey, if uh, you don't take this, uh, do not tell anybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and here's another a, thing i that agree can. let's
1: normalize it
2: let's let's yes. bring it out there i'm with you 100 and then you have fans like yo dude you went to this team for 700 million and we offered you 690 what are you doing you're greedy good for money every time you come to our place we're gonna boo you, you know good what I mean?
3: they're, they're gonna boo boom I, anyway. you know I got 700 million in the bank
2: oh
0: <laughs> well i would say yeah your team should have offered more they take lost. Me, take if you the first, you are last, and I signed with the first place offer. Mm.
2: Take me.
3: Hey, to they my... don't boo you because they they don't boo you because they like you. They usually boo you because you broke their fucking heart. Right. Yep. I never got, I never mm. got booed.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, really we're we're gonna bring on Travis Sachik in the next two minutes, and he actually tweeted about this um, when Kevin Kiermaier signed. Kevin Kiermaier was very open about. His offers this off season, which he said were lower than last off season in terms of quantity of offers, because he said he got one. He said there were no other teams that were like reaching out or interested. And ends up signing with the Blue Jays for about ten and a half million dollars, and he was much better coming off this season than last season. So I appreciate that. And also, I'm going to look at every team this coming season. If their center fielder is not good, I'm going to say, "What the fuck?"
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. and AJ said about feeling? collusion you're wrong if you don't if you don't think they're colluding whether it's from an analytical database whether it's from things that are leaked to the media you are you have never talked to a big league player big league fringe player who has gone to through free agency AJ you said you got three offers for one year 10 million they didn't just come up with that.
3: Like wow,
1: that's so amazing.
3: Those are those random numbers. That wasn't true.
1: I, I, I understand. I understand what you mean, but I know a guy who got a two-year offer within fifteen minutes of each other for one point nine million. Back in two thousand, I think it was ten or eleven.
2: Bro, that happened to me too. It's crazy.
1: Like it's not crazy. It's
2: collusion.
1: So let's talk about it as players that so that we can just get it all out there and we can help each other out. You know, me helping you, you helping me.
2: Very true. I wish players would do that more. That'd be great. So but there's a reason that they it.
1: don't. There's a reason I, that they don't, and I don't know what it is. I'm not smart enough to Because they're
2: looking out for themselves. They're like, oh, man, I'm not telling them. Man. Well, and then he's going to go back and tell his agent. His agent's going to go attack and tell that team. You know, you know what I mean? No. I, I mean, I was – Full
0: transparency, um, Travis Dodchik's going to join us in one minute, and he didn't have the link, so I was texting with him, so I ignored a few minutes of what you guys were saying, but I Thank caught most God. of it. Um, most God. of the AJ parts, because I just go on autopilot. When he's
1: out. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, okay, if Oscar Hernandez signs with the Dodgers for almost the same amount that the Red Sox offered him over two years, doesn't that make it look bad? Like, oh the next best potential offer was way less, right? Does that yeah. hurt the future value of the player, right? If a player says I didn't get offers or a player says my next best offer was way lower, does in in his mind or in the agency's mind, does that hurt them? I'm just trying to throw out ideas of why they wouldn't just say, hey, let's throw it all out there. I got 100, next best offer was yeah. 70, next best offer was 50. Then teams are like going back like, oh shoot, we got screwed. We should have offered less than that.
1: Yeah, but they wanted the player. I, I, I don't. I, I yeah, see I what you're
2: it, saying. Uh,
0: I, I wasn't listening. All right. Well, whatever. Yeah, AJ, and me don't listen to each other.
2: No, <laughs> I know what you mean. It, <laughs> it, it, it'll, it'll change yeah, the landscape.
0: Um, MLB writer for the Score, super smart guy, uh, co-author of the MVP <laughs> Machine, and author of. Todd he does big what
3: Dana he wants. Baseball. Dude, he just straight cut you off mid-sentence. Was Todd talking? Oh no. my god! I didn't he was in
0: the middle of a sentence. do you know, Travis.
2: Travis, what's Todd. up, big dog?
0: How's it going, fellas? Pleasure good, to be with good. you. It's great to have you, Travis. It's it's rowdy right now. So <laughs> let's actually start here, <laughs> yeah. though. I, I know you tweeted about this the other day um, when Kevin Kiermaier signed. Were you surprised that someone of that value coming off a season like that only had one offer and he was so transparent about it?
4: Yeah, I mean, he had a really nice season and he, he was very transparent about the lack of a market and uh, – that, uh, given his you know, defensive value and that he had a pretty solid year with the bat, I mean, it, it is a little surprising, and I don't know how much of that is tied to you know clubs waiting on resolution with some of the RSN uncertainty out there, other factors like that. Uh, so I don't know. It, it was a little surprising. And just in general, outside the
2: Dodgers, most of the markets have been pretty slow to move this offseason. Let let me ask you this. We were just talking about this. Who who hurts more in this scenario? Say Eric Kratz, big time signing come up. He had five teams hit him up. Hey, five years, hundred million. Another team won uh, four years, ninety. And all of a sudden, he signs with the one team. But he comes out and says, you know what? I'm gonna tell every team that that signed, they gave me an offer. I'm gonna say everything that they gave me. And who's that gonna hurt more? Will that hurt the players more, or will that hurt you know organizations?
4: Yeah, you could look at, not to be too political here, but you could look at it both sides. And uh, on one hand, maybe it puts pressure on clubs to, to hey, why aren't you guys spending? Uh, uh, that sort of thing. But it also illuminates the market for players and uh, shows what might be lacking or available. So, yeah, I think you could look at it through a couple of different lenses.
0: Hey, Travis, I want to jump right to some of the work that you've put out recently for the score. So let's go to your article on ballparks, because I think it was fascinating, and I encourage everyone to check it out, because we're not going to be able to cover the length of what you wrote about. But can you give us the synopsis of, for example, your case study with uh, the Chicago White Sox changes for fans, how Comiskey versus The (laughs) Cell kind of takes you further away from the action, and this is a bad trend in Most of baseball right now.
4: Yeah, I think the the common uh, belief is that the retro era has been of ballparks that really Camden Yards is credited with ushering in has been. uh, There's no flaws with it. It's been amazing for fans and viewing experience. And look, it has been a major upgrade over the the multi purpose era and, and that sort of thing. And there's far more amenities and. In uh, that way, it is a better experience. But there is what the, this one major flaw, I think, with the new era of construction, one major disservice to fans. And that is, unless you're in premium seating, you've been pushed away from the uh, from the action on the field. Uh, and I, I brought in some ballpark analytics in this and showing the distance. Uh, I mean, for instance, the first row of old Comiskey of the upper deck was about half uh, – I guess a better way to say it is the last row of the upper deck of old Comiskey was closer to playing surface than, than the first row. And I spent a lot of time as a kid in the upper deck of progressive field. And it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, again, amenities far better for fans, but you are so removed from the playing surface and all these, even though Camden's credited as ushering the retro movement, it's really new Comiskey uh, guaranteed rate that set the standard from foul pole to foul pole of, the extra of pushing the upper deck back. So there's no obstructed seats at all. The extra luxury and club seats uh, that kind of raise the upper deck and push everything uh, further vertically away from the plane surface while also pushing it back horizontally. So you get these distances where these stadiums are now twice the size of the classic jewel box era parks, uh, twice the size in height. You're much further removed. And I was going back and looking through some research and, uh, the Chicago '93, because there was a big uproar when this, when New Comiskey opened in '91, and a lot of fans hated the upper deck. Uh, and the Chicago Tribune architecture critic, Blair Kamen at the time, he noted that you know baseball is a performing art that lacks the explosiveness of a Michael Jordan slam dunk. So it is a drama that needs to be magnified to captivate the fan. He wrote, and I think that's uh, undoubtedly true. Like this is a much more interesting game. If you can hear it, if you can see it as a fan, and I think you know too many people have been pushed further away, where you're more likely to uh, get distracted by your smartphone, where you're more likely to look at baseball going to the games as a social event versus being engaged pitch to pitch. Like uh, you know, we don't see people getting up from their seats for an English Premier League match or an NFL game, and I do think something's been lost and. As great as this is from an amenities perspective and wider concourses, and I'm sure from a player perspective, you t- old Comiskey only had two toilets in the home clubhouse. And uh, <laughs> to get to a home batting cage, you had to cross a concourse. So I'm sure the players love this the retro era. But I just wish uh, teams, team owners, and uh, you know the design partners, the architects would kind of revisit these the jewel box era, those turn-of-the-century ballparks, uh, only Wrigley and Fenway exist. I wish we would recapture some of that and push people closer, and uh, I think it would be a much better view and experience as a fan.
3: So, so I have two questions for you, Travis. First one is: so you like Tiger Stadium and King Dome, and you have to love Minnesota then because <laughs> Minnesota, the people, Target Field, the people are on top of you. I mean, the it's the smallest footprint of any ballpark in baseball, and I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like fans also want wider concourses better concessions, more bathrooms, all that stuff. So isn't this kind of like, you know, one or the other?
4: Yeah, look, I think if you were going to kind of re- re- recapture this, the spirit of the, of the jewel box era, you would, re- you can re- with modern construction technology and cantilevering, you can reduce some of the beams that, because uh, I know a lot of people cite, oh, the obstructive views. And sh- if you're building a new facility today, you have to have some amenities and, uh, the the fire codes are different today than they were in 1910, and the the American with Disabilities Act wouldn't allow for some of these stadiums to be exactly re- rebuilt. Uh, and some retro parks like uh, Target, to your point, Target Field, yeah, the especially in the outfield, you know, you see those decks really stacked on. But for the most part, I mean, these you are pushed further away. These are sweet. These are open, sweeping stadiums that have been built in the retro era. And again, like the average. In Sportsman Park in St. Louis, I think the upper deck started at 40 feet off the field in Busch New Bush Stadium. It's oh, the first row of the upper deck is 80 feet, I believe, and it's you know pushed further back too. So if you're in the upper deck in these places, you are just removed from the game. You do not hear it. Uh, you know, and speak with Dan Evans, a former Dodgers GM who started out with the White Sox at Comiskey Park as a young executive there. You know, you he, he could hear player chatter even in the upper deck, uh, the first row there. He would chart pitches at Old Tiger Stadium in the upper deck. It's not to say those stadiums weren't without flaws, but the proximity to the playing surface was key uh, in, I think, creating that that great fan experience. And, you know, baseball became popular uh, at the turn of the century, in part, I think, because of the experience of these ballparks as you were on top of the action, you saw, you could see the... Change up move, breaking ball move. You could hear the players, and I do think uh, a lot of that magic has been lost from from the experience.
3: Travis, two things. Uh, don't the White Sox, from what I heard, and I don't know this, but I heard this. Obviously, I played there. They were upset because they built kind of the cookie cutter stadium, and then right after Camden came in and changed the whole dynamics. The White Sox have made moves to to, to change what you're saying. They've they've shortened the upper deck. They've they've done a lot of things. They brought the upper deck in. They, they've made a lot of changes since this. New comiskey open. But I think from what I heard, they were upset because right after they did their stadium, Camden opened, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, this is the new way. And the White Sox were behind. And second of all, you clearly never played in Old Tiger Stadium because you said <laughs> there was only two bathrooms wherever you said. There might have only there might not have been one bathroom in the old Tiger Stadium. That place was a shithole, excuse my language. Like literally, you, I mean it was awful. Okay, you, the, the dugouts were not even. Ken Rosenthal could stand up in the dugout without hitting his head, okay? I mean, you'd stand up to go hit every time you were concussed, okay? So, listen, I am I'm, I'm I get what you're saying about the, the upper decks, and you could hit a fly ball and it would be caught, but it would, the guy in the upper deck – but, listen, these new ballparks are much better from a player standpoint.
4: Oh, no doubt. And it was actually Old Comiskey that had the two toilets in the the home that, that oh. I referenced. I don't know if well, I said – the visiting clubhouse met... in
3: Old Detroit didn't have one. They had one urinal on the way to the dugout. That was it. No <laughs> – uh, but look
4: at what happened. Look at the Wrigley Field renovation. Right, it's a jewel box park, one of the two existing from that era, along with uh, Fenway. And they now have a marvelous home clubhouse with all the amenities you want. So, with construction technology today, you can uh, refurbish or rec- recreate these parks with better clubhouses, with more amenities, create dugouts where players aren't, you know, concussing themselves by standing up like a uh, like a Tiger Stadium. So, I think you know. If we were rebuilding this today, it would it would include some of those amenities. i I'm just more interested in that ballpark experience that's been lost, where you have people where you feel like the fans are on top of you. I mean, you have to remember when these parks were built, the Fenway the Tigers, the old Comiskey's. they had no models to build them after. so they they used um, you know playhouses, theaters were the design concept. and balcony seating was so important there the idea was how can we bring as many people as close to the field as possible? So they were, they were inspired by playhouses. And you really, when you went in Comiskey tiger, look at some of the views from the first rows in the upper decks there. you you were on top of the field. The players had to feel like you're on top of the field. Uh, and there's, and they're just more interesting, even home runs. Like I remember as a kid in the nineties, you would Cecil fielder had a home run on the roof of tiger stadium. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, the roof shots of Comiskey, uh, home run even came in, in 93 and the Tribune was like, you know, home runs at new Comiskey just aren't that when big Frank is hitting a home run in the bleachers, it's just not as interesting as when Ron Kittle was homering on the, on the roof of okay. So they're just more interesting places to play. And uh, I think, you know, if you rec- recreated old Comiskey uh, on the South side of Chicago with the modern amenities, with removing some beams, with giving players a modern clubhouse, it would be a smash hit. People would want to go there uh, it would. people could be romantic about baseball and the experience at the ballpark again. I think it would be an amazing experience.
2: Well, let's bring it back to modern-day baseball now. I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about free agents and signings, especially the Dodgers. What have you thought about that? Um, you had a funny tweet here. I, I want to read the Dodgers won 142 games in regular season with the five-day break before facing the Reds and an NLDS was just too much rust to shake off. Talk about that a little bit. <laughs> I was I was always when we had that conversation too as well. I I was big believer in like let's play, man. Let's not wait any more days. That's another conversation to talk about. But yeah, talk about the signings and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I tweeted
4: just because baseball's postseason is such a different animal compared to the say NBA or NFL, where the best teams are usually playing and where you know the best. Patrick Mahomes is going to take every snap. It's not like the ace pitcher of the team can t- make every pitch. So the nature of the postseason allows for baseball to have some parity. And, uh, you know, just a few days ago, the Dodgers had spent more in free agency than the rest of baseball uh, clubs combined, which is just pretty wild. I, it was like 1.1 billion to one point billion and some change. So, you know, is that good for baseball? Or, I mean, having the Dodgers a flagship club, an amazing team is good for potential postseason ratings it's great for the dodgers uh but i do and you want to see teams compete like uh, if i'm a dodger fan i'm very excited about what they're doing i just worry about you know baseball always has this cloud over itself every offseason where all, there's so many teams not engaged there's so many owners not spending and even though winning and payroll is only loosely correlated if you look at it statistically You know, farm system drafting, player development means more in creating those those cores. There's still this perception amongst fans in a number of cities where it's not a fair game. Uh, You know, I live in Cleveland, and when you listen to talk radio, you don't hear about Browns or Cavs fans lamenting the unfair playing field. They might lament poor decisions by management or coaching, but you always hear it around the Guardians. And I just think whether it's a salary floor or something to reduce this cloud, this burden that overhangs a sport every offseason where there's not enough team spending. Uh, you know, now you have a super team that's already, the Dodgers are already great at developing players and drafting. Uh, they have super smart front office. Uh, it's basically like you imported the Tampa Bay's pro, raise process and folks, and then you gave them a $300 million payroll. You can, you can uh, imagine what fans in Arizona and, uh, San Diego, uh, Colorado feel about that. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers have built a super team. I think it could be an amazing uh, win for, like, postseason ratings should they advance deep. And I think, you know, growing the sport internationally, it, it won't hurt. But I do worry about, you know, you know, a third of the markets in baseball. I just – I would like to see, you know, other clubs be – I don't think they're going to do it on their own. I would like to see something, some legislation in the CBA put in place to, to force uh, – a smaller golf divide between clubs and perceived interest in winning.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. I know. I mean, I've read your work with with Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh for years, Travis, and I know you got to jump, but I think what, what you said there nailed it. It's sure you can talk about it, Cap, but the floor is the problem here. I mean, those third of the teams that have payrolls in the 40, 50, $60 million, we know that those teams are profiting. Like you can do simple math of TV contracts, national ones, even so. I'm with you, man. It, it's it's frustrating. We obviously bring it to light as, as much as we can. And I know you were frustrated and kind of covering those teams sometimes. And you're like, are they ever going to do anything? So um, it was great to have you, Travis. Really appreciate it. Um, encourage everyone to check out some of those articles we were talking about in the score. And uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Have a good day. Thanks, fellas. Great to be with you. Appreciate it. Travis Sochick, Uh, You can check out more of his work um, on Twitter as well. Thank uh, you. Check out. Let me just get the. If we come up with a salary, Travis <laughs> undersc- underscore Saicik is Cheers. the uh, Twitter handle for you. What's up, PK? If we come,
1: if we come up with a salary floor, there's gonna be like six to ten teams that are gonna be, you know, they're gonna have to come up for sale. There's gonna be so many teams that they're gonna, they're gonna need to sell because they're not gonna be able to spend 150 million dollars <laughs> a year on payroll. I just, I feel bad for them.
0: I, do you know what they actually would do though? For real, they would, to that a floor would come eventually, what they do is they just get to that floor by um, essentially dollar. kind of buying prospects if that makes sense. Yeah. So you would take a team, like let's say the Yankees, right? Yankees want to get rid of a Giancarlo stand contract. Great. We'll take them. We'll take a mid-level or two prospect and they'll do it that way. And they'll be like, haha, we're still not really paying most guys you know we're just kind of taking salary dumps they might even cut some of those players that they bring on so you'd have to try and figure out ways to get around that as well that That happens right now in the reverse you've seen it It happens like every year or two where a team will kind of like buy a prospect or a player I mean the Braves have actually been doing that a lot this (laughs) offseason like oh Mariners you want to get rid of Marco Gonzalez like we'll we'll take that on right and we'll turn around to the Pirates and turn around to the Pirates (laughs) slap hands
1: Yes.
0: Kratz hats. You want to run it? What
2: do you got?
1: I gotta say, Todd, everybody down here is rocking the uh, throwback. This is not throwback Reds, but everyone's rocking the City Connect hats down here. And yeah. I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging. It. I'm not. I'm not lying. I need to see you in one of those. Yes. Scran Rail Riders. Oh. Yeah, a little little BP hat for the boys. Hey,
2: Clearly. tell Ellie de la Cruz happy birthday too, by the way.
1: Yeah, I did. He was down here. He was on the show earlier. We when we did foul territory in Espanol.
2: Oh nice. oh, wish. Okay. <laughs> nice.
0: I wish. Ellie De la Cruz.
3: Did you send him a birthday present?
0: No. Uh, yeah,
1: look at look at yeah, why look ask that
0: me? A fan. I, It's just glowing. A fan. It, Scott's glowing us. right now. This yeah, is two-on-two. Two. Todd Father likes him, too. Ellie De La Cruz is what no. I call good for the game. Even if he I doesn't agree. end up being a superstar and he's just an average player, but his skill set is so unique, good for We're the
2: game. No, he, he's going to he's gonna have to be a superstar. I, I think he's, he's going to have to take off this year.
0: Yeah, but my point is, in the NBA, sometimes you have a sick dunker and he well, doesn't this necessarily the have... N- it.
2: This isn't the NBA, Scooter. Although, I would like to take
0: some pages out of the NBA's book if really? I'm MLB some not all but my point mm-hmm. is if there's a crazy good dunker in the NBA but he's not a superstar still that's a fun player to watch
1: correct he's in the G League
2: that's a, that's NBA, exactly. NBA dunk not. contest That's why you have the dunk contest in NBA the NBA dunk run contest yeah. the
1: dude McClum or whatever McLum Yeah Max McClung, whatever his name is Related to
0: Seth yeah. McLum Yes Is he? Yes
1: He just dropped he just dropped 44 in the G League Did So he? are you still excited about Dela Cruz if the reason that the Reds got Gmar Candelario was because he might have to start in AAA.
2: God, what a face that was! Oh my God! Oh,
3: Scott's mad. Scott's big man. Yeah, he's big Not man. Mad. Look at him.
0: No, he's I'm stoked. just ignoring AJ again because I'm getting he was a glowing texts when, about...
1: you, when you brought up Ellie's birthday. He was like, mm. "Oh, I hope, I hope Ellie." Invites me to his party. I brought I bought him a gift. It'll be fun.
0: Todd Pilot, you gotta back me up here, man. <laughs> Listen
2: to I, me. I'm with it. I'm with it. You didn't say he you said he wasn't what you said he was gonna be. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I he has to have a, I, I love him. I love him to death. You but love his baseball a, card. This is this is a big year for him. All right, e, eK. Okay, E Kizzle. Uh, This It's a big year. Big year.
0: All right, so. A few things to run through before we say goodbye. Apparently, I, I haven't seen this stuff, so we're just going to have fun with it as it goes along here. So we have a, a top catcher's list from from Mad Dog.
3: Mm, Mad Dog loves oh. me. Oh,
2: God. Are you on that? Mad Dog? you fucking believe it. Whoa. Look at me go. Oh,
3: my God. Look at me go.
2: Wow. Top 10 catcher's not in the hole. You might as well put Eric on that list, too, then.
1: I, I mean, I had I, a head I, of I Pespada, That's pretty good. I couldn't Jason disagree Kendall. with... I couldn't disagree with. I mean, you can you can fight the order with anybody, but yes. Tim McCarver was he that good though? He was pretty good. Look up his numbers.
2: How about Jorge? Hey, would in. you compare your numbers to Jorge? Or you had better numbers? Um, he AJ? had more homers. Okay. Yeah, but switch hitter
1: AJ played the defense. I was a defensive catcher. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no. Was Jorge. <laughs>
2: No. Hey, no. Lopez. Hey, listen. Was, was hey, Mad Dog.
3: For all the shit I've given you, hey, this is the best
1: list you ever came up with. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you have oh, to yeah, be. That you crazy. have to yeah, be in that cute. top. Like you have to be in that top ten. You can argue about any anybody that's on that list. The order. If you're not in that top ten, the person that's doing it's high.
2: There's no. Well, way. you know what, Eric? Get, go go blow him a kiss too. Why don't you? I'll, yeah, I'll
1: yeah, blow him listen. a kiss while you, you baseball reference it. I will say this Catcher well, is what? the
0: underrepresented. most underrepresented position in the sport. It's so hard for them to get in now because guys drool over numbers and it's like, yo, that's not going to be but, the same for a of, Okay, so
3: I just want to say this because I this and listen, this isn't anything about me, but
0: like I look, I actually do
3: sometimes look at baseball reference because I want to compare dudes in their years. Uh, nerd, nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> nerd but alert. I don't just because I don't just <laughs> go not on and hobbies. <laughs> no, I don't go and just stare at like the numbers. But no, there are times where I want to see like one guy's year compared to another. And there are years where like, a dude goes out and hits like 300 with 30 and 100, and then another dude goes out and hits 250 with 15 but steals 35 bases, and their war is higher. And I'm like, this is some bullshit right here. Because I'd much rather have this guy over this other guy. Fair. So that to me just, I don't know. So certain stats in war are overrated.
1: Come up with your own. Okay. I'm going to call it the AJ war. <laughs> we'll get that. This would be a whole WAR topic, but I don't think it's overrated. I think it's a really good barometer of how to rate different style of players. Every the example everyone uses is like a Juan Pierre versus a Adam Dunn. You can't you can't compare some dude that comes up for two hundred games. I mean, yeah, two hundred games, two hundred at bats, and his WAR compared to somebody that gets six hundred at bats. There's no there's no way. Adam it Dunn got, will hit you 40 and driving hundred. Juan
3: Piero hit you one and driving twenty. Yes. They weren't, Juan he'll, war will be higher. And they're both weren't good defenders, so that
1: doesn't make sense. And he'll steal, but but I'm saying I'm not saying his is higher or not, but his war, there there's a similar war, so that value because there's no way you can compare the two of them. There is nothing that is alike about either of them except for that they swing left-handed. Like, so there's a there's a value in playing with one, the value in the stolen base is so huge. If you added 70 more hits, or every single single that he gets is now a double, you'd be like, dang, that is impressive. But because it's stolen bases, it kind of gets overlooked. So look, it has to be looked at in a vacuum. It's an easy answer instead of saying, well, Jack Sewinsky only hit 240 this year, but we're going to eliminate the fact that his OPS plus was 115. Like you have to, you have to equalize, you know, you have to equalize numbers out there. And I think war is a good way to do it. Yeah. I think it overvalues walks and stolen bases. That's just my opinion.
0: All right. Well, this is your request at the finish line here. What happened over the past 24 hours? Dude, look at
3: that. Omaha Storm Chasers. Look at their new coaching staff. They got Carroll, Saban, and Belichick. They ain't losing a game. They're going 150-0. and
0: They need a quarterback. Omaha. (laughs) What
1: do you mean they need a quarterback?
3: Look at that. Nick's the defensive coordinator. Pete Carroll's the offensive coordinator. And Belichick's just wearing that hoodie in Omaha. Oh, gosh. Mad as shit. Look at him. Sad day in the football world, man. Seriously. So, so many. So many champions. Didn't die. But
2: changing other the, guys, changing the I, I don't know. I don't
3: changing know saving a Belichick. I've been around Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's one of my favorite people I've ever been around in my life. He's unbelievably awesome. And saving, you know, all the seven national titles, Belichick, Super Bowl, six Super Bowls. I mean, this is a sad day for football if you're a football fan or not, because three of the all-time great coaches are gone in one day, and that's amazing.
0: It's a happy day for a lot of other people who have suffered many losses for yeah, their I mean, teams
3: listen,
1: yeah.
0: for many years, and they're like, good, the I playing mean, field gets a little more level now. And By the way, Omaha is the AAA Kansas one, City Royals.
1: One time. Uh, get them, them on the ball. show one time.
0: Yeah, seriously, dropping names, Okay, can't get them on the show. We're not allowed to
1: talk other sports. We'll, talk- I tell you, we'll have
3: them on. When Hannah's on, we'll have them on because Fine. Scott Scott. is. a human
1: interest piece. This yeah. is historic. The amount of championships those men have won. That's what we talk about here. Ships. <laughs>
0: uh, tomorrow we have a show. It's it's Friday. Can't wait. I'm gonna be I from White. I'm I mean, at White Sox there will camp. Be no words from <laughs> AJ. Don't worry, I'm, I'm playing golf tomorrow. Here. I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'll be
3: hanging out with the
0: who we got. golfers. Oh, Kenny ballgame. Ken Rosenthal back on with us tomorrow. Ryan Helsley, guests to be named later. In addition to that, and Adam Jones back at it.
2: No Todd tomorrow, right?
0: We got a lot of Todd coming up. God, Todd, Todd's get ready. Todd's going to
2: be in Atlantic City. He's got a gymnastics meet early. Oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to be at White Sox. i going sneak camp. over to a table.
1: I'm going over to Glendale.
2: Are you? What's over no. there? No chance.
1: Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Hey, you're an
0: ex-royal. They'll they'll welcome you with open arms. Looking
3: for that That's a
1: surprise. Oh, oh, you mean at Glendale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Glendale.
0: We can't stop talking. Bye everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a new offer for the FT fam with the same bonus code, Foul, F-O-U-L. Bet $5, get $158 instantly. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through the BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5 and you'll receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app, Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. And once you've placed a bet, you'll receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Again, that's bonus code Foul, F-O-U-L. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.